0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. We're going to continue our series, what we've been calling Family Values. Let me hear you say, Family Values. Y'all sound good today. Come on, family values. It's so important uh, what our values are—the things that are, we value in this life, the things that are kind of the guardrails in our lives. It's like going bumper bowling. Anybody ever been bumper bowling before? Praise God for the bumpers and the bowling alley because they keep your ball out of the gutter. They keep your ball in the place where you're going to score and knock down some pins. Come on. But without those bumpers, unless you're a professional or average bowler or decent bowler, there's a good chance you're going to miss the pins entirely and your ball's going to end up in the gutter. But the bumpers, baby, they keep your ball coming where it's going to score. And that's kind of like what values are in our lives. They make sure that our lives don't get into the gutter and miss the target entirely The values help shape our lives and who we are and who we are becoming because it matters who we are while we live this life so we've been talking about values right our values matter you know in life doors will open and doors will close and not just the literal ones figurative doors you know will open and close and life is good right But life is also crazy. (laughs) There's also chaotic moments, but then there's also moments where it's like everything is falling into order and you couldn't have planned it better yourself. But then, you know, there's moments in life where we grow older, life changes, come on and sometimes we maximize opportunities, other times we miss opportunities, sometimes we live with no regrets and other times we're living with regrets or trying to pretend like we don't have regrets, but we do all have regrets, you know what I'm saying? And it's not to say bad things over your life. It's just reality, you know, Um, but regardless of all of that, I think values, if we live with some godly values, it can help us through all of those things of life to be able to make it through the other side and come out on top. It's just that when we start to get values from other places outside of God, that that's where things start to get dicey. You know what I'm saying? Where we start to align our values with people maybe who don't know Christ or whatever. We start to align values with people who are declaring things that are opposite of God. And then we still want God's results. Can we be real in the house today? It's like when we start living out an Ariana Grande song or a Taylor Swift song. And then we want God's blessings on the other side. We want to live like the world, live however we want, and just squeeze God in for an hour on Sunday, as long as it doesn't interfere with my travel plans or anything else. Come on, we got to start to live with some godly values so that we can experience the very best of what God has for us. Come on, that's good for us, right? So we've been talking about this. How do we live this way? And I I think as you look at the very first church, when when Jesus was here and he commissioned his disciples and then Jesus ascended to heaven and he said, okay, disciples, now it's your job. Go and preach the gospels. And from there, the very first church came out of and they had some values that were formed and they lived out in the very first church. And so for us as, as a church, right? We're part of that church. We've pulled some of our values from that very first church, from scriptural places. And so we've been talking about uh, um, our vision at Victory. Uh, Our vision here at Victory is three parts, right? It's our purpose, our mission, and our values, the three parts of us. And so some of you have heard me say this over the last couple of weeks. We've been saying it all together, and maybe you have it memorized, but the first part of our vision is our purpose. They're going to put it on the screen, so let's say it all together. It says, our purpose is this. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. That's why this church exists. Like, everything we do is about that purpose. Now, it's good to know our purpose, and then our mission is the second part. Our mission defines how are we going to be successful in our purpose. How are we going to know if we, you know, like, to use a sports term, how are we going to know if we scored? How are we going to know if we've gotten to the end zone? Well, it's through our mission, and our mission is this. We, we accomplish our purpose by helping people to know God to find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. So for us, as a church, everything that we do fits into one of those four categories. So every time we decide, are we going to get involved in this? Are we going to start this ministry? Are we going to do this? Or or whatever it is, are we going to spend money on this? If it doesn't fit into one of those four categories, we're not going to do it because we want to be very strategic. We want to be very purposeful about how we're doing uh, what we do and what we're investing in so that we can accomplish our purpose, right? So if it's not helping somebody to know God, if it's not helping someone to find freedom from our yesterdays, or if it's not helping someone to discover their purpose in life, and it's not helping someone make a difference in this world, then odds are we're probably not going to get involved in those things. Why? Because we want to be accomplishing our purpose, right? Isn't that good to know? So we uh, we We have our purpose, we have our mission, but then the third part is our values. Now, values are how do we, how are we when we're together? How do we behave while we're accomplishing the purpose? Because we can uh, do some good things, but if we're just being crazy or we're gossiping or being hateful or whatever along the way, then we kind of lost the point. You know, it's like we can feed the whole world, and if we don't point people to Jesus, then they lose and we lose. Come on. So how we are together really matters. I say it this way. Our values are who we are and who we will be. It's who we, a decision we make right now. This is who I'm going to be. But as I grow older every day, I'm going to become these values as well. So we have our values and they define how are we going to be while we're accomplishing our purpose. And we have seven values here at the church. We've been teaching on them through this series. Number one, our most important value is everything we do comes from the love of God that he's poured out in our life is we're motivated by the love of God that's in our hearts. Our other values, they'll have them on the screen, is unity. We protect the vision of Victor Orlando Church. Family, we're better together. If you know them, you can say them with me. Generosity, we live to give. Compassion, we're a local church with a global vision. Teachability, we have a desire to learn and a willingness to grow and fun. My favorite, we love what we do. Come on. It's its fun to have fun. That's why it's fun. <laughs> Today, uh, I want to talk about this value of compassion. We're a local church with a global vision. If you missed any of the other weeks, they're available on our podcast, anywhere, any platform you listen to them on or on our YouTube channel there as well. But compassion, we're a local church with a global vision. That just means that we're local. We're here in East Orlando, baby. We're representing on the east side. Come on. That's good. We are, we are local. We are here. We're victory. But there's other local churches in our area as well. You know what I'm saying? There's, but they are local churches too. We just recognize for us part of our values is was we're not going to just be focused on ourselves. We're local. We're going to be focused and have vision for developing and growing a great church, having a great service experience, bringing people into the family. But we're not going to be so focused just on us that we forget there's other people around. You know, it's not us for and no more. Come on, you know, like we're going to be focused on what God has called us to do here in East Orlando but we're also going to be focused on the rest of the city of victory, on the rest of Orlando. And we're going to be focused on what God is doing around our state, but we're also going to be focused on what God is doing globally. Like it's, it's so important that we know what God has called us to do in our city, but what God has also called us to do around the world. So that's why we talk about, uh, you know, outreach here in our city and feeding people and doing all of those things. That's why we talk about, you know, growing out of this facility and being in a bigger one. That's why we talk about what God is doing around the world right and building churches in africa and rescue homes and water wells in southeast asia because we're a local church we're we're passionate about our city we're you know invested into what god is doing here and we invest around the world we're a local church with a global vision Um, i would even say it this way compassion is our response it's our response compassion is our response because compassion is part of who we are. It's not something we do. Compassion is not like a job where I clock in and then I clock out. Okay, I did a compassionate thing and now I'm done for the day. No, compassion is who we are. It's part of its part of our, our nature, our characteristics. It's not something I do simply in a moment. You know, remember our values are shaping who we are and who we become. So compassion is, is therefore part of who I am. It, I, I can't not be compassionate because it's who I am. I can't uh uh, unity is not something i just do while i'm here on sunday and then when i go home uh, you know no it's part of who i am why my values are shaping who i am and who i have become right we're talking about compassion today as our response i think it's interesting um how people think about compassion because a lot of people like or are interested or celebrate the fact that there are people in churches who are compassionate you know people people like it when you talk about yeah we're going to build a church in africa and that's great people get excited about yeah we're going to take the hope truck out and go feed people and give out boxes of food You know, and they get the little golf clap, you know, uh, or, you know, that's great. We're sending uh, missionaries out from the church or we're building rescue homes for boys and girls in Southeast Asia. And it's nice and it's good to be excited about these. And it's interesting as you look around, uh, you know, not just this church, but every church, how people like, oh, they really like that. And, And I'm glad you're doing that, but you don't need me to be involved in that. And, and it's interesting how people start to then pick and choose the parts of, you know, serving God and what they want to be involved in. But I just believe that compassion isn't something that we can we can serve God and not have in our lives. Right. And we're going to look at this today. And I'm just so thankful for this church. Come on. I want to celebrate you, Victory, because this I, that's why I always say this is the most generous church in all of Central Florida. And I truly believe that. Um because this is a church of compassion. This is a church of people who be like, oh, we're gonna build a church in in Africa. How can I be involved? We're gonna give out food on the. How can I be involved? Well, you're gonna sweat a lot. That's okay. Just give me the box of food, and you know, like, and we we all those things. I celebrate that, and so many people that are involved in giving. In fact, um, when you look at national averages um, across, you know, all of the churches combined in our in our country. The, the average number of people who give in a church is anywhere from 10 to 15 percent of people that attend are the people who are giving in the church Whoa, yeah. this church doubles that percentage come on <laughs> that's awesome I mean that's why I say like this church we like we're, we're not just talking about it we're allowing these values to then alter the course of our lives to say God what do you want to do through my life so I celebrate what we do in this church and I celebrate you victory because you are living out this value of compassion but but I think if we ever just settle in and be like, yeah, I am. See, see, I think God always wants us to be growing. Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament, he says, I never consider myself to have arrived, but I'm always pressing on towards the goal in Christ Jesus. I'm always pressing forward. In other words, there's more that God has for us. So it's never like I was compassionate yesterday, so I'm good now. No, there's always something more that God is leading us to, to help us to grow, to continue to do all that he's called us to be. So as much as we celebrate what God has done and allowed us to be a part of in the past, I believe there's more that he has for us to come in the future. And I, you know, I use that word strategically uh, of what God has allowed us to do. He allows us to feed people. He, think about that for a minute. He allows us to be a part of changing other people's lives. Come on. And it's something to be excited about. Being able to, that, that God would allow us. See, God doesn't need us. Sometimes we think that when we come into the church, oh, they need me if they if if i don't if if i don't use my gifts there like they're going to miss out and if i don't serve god then he's going to miss out listen god doesn't need us he doesn't he owns it all anyways he has everything he is complete without us he just chooses to bring us into his plan he chooses to say i'm going to gift you i'm going to give you everything you need to, to to do what i've called you to do like he's like so so just go ahead and be a part it's an invitation to be a part of what God is doing. He says, I choose to use you. Come on, isn't that good to know? Yes. Uh, I love that. And so I'm so thankful for you, Victory. Um, I, but here's what, I, here's what I think when we start talking about compassion, we talk about using our gifts, or we talk about serving, the S word in church. I know I said it, <laughs> the S word, serving, right? That word. Um, when we talk about that, sometimes we mix up serving with volunteering. Mm-hmm. They're not the same. You are not called to be a, a volunteer in the kingdom of God. A volunteer is typically a seasonal thing. You know, when you think about volunteering, I'm going to volunteer at the book drive at the school or whatever. And if I feel like it, I'll show up. I might show up late or, you know, I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of do whatever. It doesn't really matter. There's a set time, a specific uh, set of responsibilities. You know, there's, it's just volunteering is just, just can kind of be whatever based upon your preference. But you're not a volunteer in God's kingdom. Did you know that? You're called to be a servant. You're called to be a son or a daughter. And when you're a son or a daughter in the house, it's totally different than when you just show up to volunteer because you felt like it or somebody, you thought they needed your help. Listen, you are called to be a son. You're called to be a daughter. You're a servant in the kingdom of God. That's who we are, right? Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. He said, The greatest among you will be your servant. Do we have any servants in the room? Come on. The greatest among you. So. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? You want to be great in this house? Well, it starts in a place of serving. The opposite is also true. right? The least among you will be the least servant, the one who serves the least, the one who's too big. That's why I always say if you're too big to serve in a small place, you're too, you're too small to lead. You know. And I've just had too many conversations with people like, Oh, I want to get involved. I want to serve. This is where I really need people. Oh, that's not for me. And what they really mean is I want to I be in a, in a place where people will see me instead of where, the, where there's really opportunity. Sometimes um, doing what God has called us to do, we get, um, Lord, help me say this the right way. Sometimes we get more obsessed, more focused on doing what we've scripted out as what we think God has called us to do in, a, in this specific way. And if it doesn't happen in the way that I want, in the place that I want, then it must not be God's will. And sometimes God's will looks like opportunity. See, if we become more obsessed with how I want it to work out or, or if I can't serve in the exact thing that I want or the way that I feel God called me into, well, then I'm not doing anything. Then we really miss out on what God has called us to in that moment, because sometimes like, you don't always start out in the final destination. Sometimes it's along the way. And then you look back and realize, well, God did more with my life. If I would just say, God, what is your dream for my life? What do you want me to do? Rather than just, did I get to do what I wanted? And I've just seen people sitting back waiting. Well, I want to wait until I get that opportunity to be in that place. Not realizing that the way to get to that place is all the little things along the way that led them there. And if you don't ever do the little things along the way, you probably won't end up there. Because waiting for just that opportunity to walk in and say, I'm gonna be the the big guy or whatever, like and it just doesn't happen that way. It just happens through all the little opportunities, all the little doors along the way. You know, just being saying, God, I'm I'm available. If you can use if you can use me, <laughs> if you can use the mess that is me, wow God, okay, go ahead. You know, and, and if we would just not think that we're as big a deal as we think we are. <laughs> I love you, right? But he's the big deal, not us. And sometimes God's will, people are obsessed with trying to figure out God's will. Like, I want to know God's will for my life. Anybody else? And that's good. That's a good place. But sometimes, can I tell you, God's will is an opportunity in front of you. Is that open door in front of you. And we've got to be careful not to disdain it because it didn't look like the way we thought it would or it isn't as big as we thought it would be, right? Sometimes it just looks like whatever is the available opportunity in front of you. And so that's where it's so important to begin to discern, okay, God, are you speaking to me? Because not every door, not every open door is your door. There are some open doors that God will lead you through. There's some opportunities. And I've just decided in my life, like, okay, God, I'm going to surround my people, surround my life with people that I can say, hey, I'm thinking about this. It seems like there's this opportunity before me. What do you guys think? People that are also seeking God the way that I am and know God and have faith so that they can speak wisdom into me, right? I'm going to surround myself with those kind of people so that when opportunities come, I can have wisdom to know which is the right opportunity to step into. But there are some opportunities that don't don't need to be prayed about. Mm-hmm. I've, just, I've just learned in my life that um, we have a tendency to over-spiritualize things. And if, God, if the opportunity before you is going to impact the life of somebody else for the glory of God, mm-hmm. then that's probably an open door that God wants you to step into. And even if it's not the exact door He wanted you to step through, He's not going to be mad because you took an opportunity to help somebody to know Him more. What if we just begin to err on that side? God, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to make a mistake on helping too many people. (laughs) You know, Like instead of just praying about every little thing, God, do you want me to help this person who's struggling at work today? Yes! (laughs) That's the answer. He does want you to help people. God, are you sure you want me to pray for them? Yes, he does. You know, like he wants us to be those that are full of compassion, you know, full of compassion. So what is compassion? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, Compassion is, is not a feeling. Um, it, it's not something we do in a moment and then not in another moment. Compassion, biblical compassion, is actually a spiritual characteristic. It's, a, it's part of who we are. It's, a, it's the nature of who we are. It comes from our Heavenly Father, from God. Psalms 145, chapter, uh, chapter 145, verses 8 and 9, says it this way. The Lord is, so it's part of who He is, gracious and compassionate. It says He's slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion in all he has made. So we see compassion bookended by being slow to anger, being rich in love, and being good to all. So it stands to reason that if we want to grow in compassion like our Heavenly Father, then we've got to work on being slow to anger. I know this is an area the Lord is working on in me. Come on, somebody. Anybody else? Okay. Come on. Thank you, Sabrina. Not leaving me hanging. (laughs) We've just gotta, you know, you can be, you can be angry and um, not, not be the one who's just always uh, shouting and yelling. There's other kinds of anger. Scripture, Jesus was also angry and he did not enter into sin. So that's a whole other message. Let's not get like, into that. But can, can we just like grow and like be slow to anger? And he says, be rich in love like God's love, uh, unconditional love for people and being good to all. Like if we can work on those areas, compassion is going to grow in our heart. Compassion is part of who God is. It's not something he does in a moment, right? It's, It's part of his nature. It's part of his characteristic. And for us as a follower of Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you have the nature of God inside of you. So now compassion is part of who you are. It's not something you do in a moment. Scripture says you are an heir; you inherit everything that Jesus had. So his nature, his compassion, is part of you who you are. Right? It's your nature. Right? It's not feeling bad for somebody. It's not oh, bless your heart. You know, and like it's not having sympathy for somebody. It's not having empathy for somebody. Those are all feelings and emotions. Compassion is so much more. I would define compassion this way: compassion always moves a person to action. Compassion moves a person from being a spectator to being a participant, right? From observation to participation. That is godly compassion. It's not a feeling, right? Because when I feel bad for somebody, it's too easy for me to be like, oh, I feel so bad for them and go about my way. Because it's just my feelings. It's When I just feel uh, empathy for somebody, like, oh, bless your heart, that's so bad, I'll, I'll say a little prayer for you, you know, like, that's not compassion. Compassion moves us to see the need and fill it, to see the hurt and heal it. Godly compassion moves us to see things where people are broken and addicted and bring hope to it, right? Compassion always meets the physical need, whatever it is, and then points people to Jesus, Without the pointing the people to Jesus, we're just doing some good deeds. And doing good deeds is not compassion. It's incomplete. Compassion always meets the need, points people to Jesus. That's godly compassion moving us into action. Now, Jesus is always the best example for everything. (laughs) Come on, you know. But especially in this area of compassion. All throughout the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus living with compassion for people. Um, so I want to give us a few uh, examples of that. You can study these this week if you want. Write these down. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And it says this. Uh, when Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. So just so you know what's happening, it says he heard what happened. What happened was that Jesus' cousin had been beheaded by the king. Come on, y'all thought Alice in Wonderland was original, but they actually plagiarized the Bible. I do put their heads. You, no? I, I warned you about the preacher jokes. That's funny right there. I don't care what y'all say. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been preaching, repent, come back to God. And, like, and so the king had arrested him, and in a very gruesome and public way, had cut off his head. And Jesus, what happened was Jesus is in the city preaching, healing people. Somebody comes and tells him this news. Hey, your cousin was just beheaded by the king. And Jesus, being a human, right? Man, he retreats to a private place. Like there's if you've ever lost somebody, then you know the pain that Jesus is experiencing in this moment where he's going to grieve and cry and mourn this loss. It says he he's withdrawing from this place where he's ministering to people. To be alone. To. to, to. To process this, to grieve, and and here he is, it says, hearing of this, that Jesus was leaving, the crowds followed him on foot from the town, so I don't know if you've ever seen one of those Disney cartoons, come on, where you have the little dotted lines, and one person is going this way, Jesus is trying to cross the sea, and the other people, the little dotted lines are going around the lake, you know, it's like, that's what's happening, Jesus is trying to go be alone, and the people are following him around the lake, and and here he is, right, and it says, the, the crowds are following him, and when Jesus landed on the other side, and the two little dotted lines came together, and he he saw a large crowd. He was frustrated and was like, you guys take care of this on yourselves and walked away. Don't, don't let me get away with stuff like that. Come on now. This is an interactive experience. It's an open book test. It says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So he saw people and not just was like, oh, you guys, you guys." but, but this is my time, guys. I'm, I'm grieving and mourning right now, and I'm sad right now. No, he saw people that needed help, and what did he do? He moved into action. He brought healing to those places. He said, even though I'm hurting right now, what can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? It's compassion. It moves us out of ourselves. We know that Jesus probably didn't want to serve people in that moment because he was serving people and was like, I'm out. He see you and left to be alone. He wanted to be alone. But yet the compassion of God inside of him, who he was, naturally just decided, okay, I'm going to help people. Like there's something that happens when we begin to understand this is who we are, that compassion moves us beyond our feelings and emotions. Compassion moves us into action. See, this I believe is how you can overcome grief and sorrow, right? Is when you begin to get in your when you're in your place of grief and pain and you begin to serve somebody else who's experiencing a similar pain, man, it begins to break those bondages off of you that want to pull you down into the pit of despair, right? It's how I believe you can overcome depression depression and anxiety. When you begin to say, I'm at my lowest, but there's somebody else around me who I can extend a hand to and like, let's seek Jesus together. When you begin to get out of yourself, even in a place where you're hurting, where you should be focusing on yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to serve somebody else. It doesn't make sense to people, but I'm going to serve somebody when I need it the most. It just like, it, it kicks the doors wide open and allows God to come right in. You're opening the door of your life and saying, God, I can't do this. I need your healing. And there's something that attracts God so much to a person that's willing to say, when I'm in pain, I'll give what I have to somebody else. Man, God is so attracted to that posture of your heart because you're living with compassion. I just know from my own life and my own experience, many of you know a part of my story and um, when, when we lost our second daughter on Thanksgiving morning is the day she passed away in 2008 uh, and she was 48 days old and um, man, it was the lowest point of my life being in that moment. And um, I just, I remember she was in the NICU for, um, for all those 48 days. And um, for some reason, I understand the reason now, but she, her room was all the way at the end of this hallway, at the end of the NICU. Um, and if you've ever been in a NICU, you know, usually they're big and there's hallways. And so I would walk down this hallway every day, multiple times. And in every room, there's a baby or a sick child and families and siblings all in there believing for a miracle. Every day I'm walking by seeing families and faces and all those things and, and, and just, you know, uh, and I remember so clearly after Gabby had passed and we had done all the things with the nurses and doctors and the documents and all the things that happened and I'm walking down this hallway for what I thought was the last time and just, just at my lowest and God speaks to me and he says, what about all these people? You're the healer. You're the one. Why are you asking me? You're all powerful, not me. He says, what about these people? Who's going to help them? And I just remember it so clearly. And um, over the next couple of days as I prayed about it, God spoke to me and he's like, you can stay focused on yourself and you will struggle and lose it all. Or you can get out of yourself and give from what you have. God, I don't have anything. I'm so broken right now. I'm so hurting right now. You can give of yourself to somebody else who's struggling and healing will come, and so Heather and I made that decision, it wasn't easy, yes, we cried, and no, it wasn't fair, but we made the decision, you know what, let's just see whatever we can do, if you can use this broken mess right now to help somebody else, okay, so we began to raise money, gave our own money, spend whatever we could, and we began to buy toys and and presents for, for kids and, and get gas cards you know and because when you're in the hospital every day and you're going to work and driving and you're like you use a lot of gas and you don't know how to feed your family because there's usually not that many restaurants closed and this was before DoorDash or Uber Eats or any of that we're buying gift cards and, and just you have you know oftentimes you have other little kids that are with you that aren't sick and so we bought toys for them just whatever we could and the nurses and the doctors they let us bring our little red wagon down the hall and we just did anything we could to give to these families just in that place where we were we we needed help so badly and and i'm just telling you this because it was that place i believe that opened the door for healing to begin to flow in our lives you know the studies are is when you lose a child 80 percent of marriages end up in divorce and i'm just here to tell you it's not anything it's the grace of god it's the grace of god when we're willing to say you know what god okay i'll serve somebody I'll serve somebody in the midst of what I'm going through. It just opens the door for God to do amazing things in your life. It flings the door open. Compassion. We see it again in Matthew chapter 20. Um, There's two guys who are blind. They're sitting by the side of the road, and they're just begging every day. But they hear about Jesus. There's this guy, Jesus, and he heals people. And then one day they hear, Jesus is going to walk down this road on his way to the next town. So they're like, you know what, Jesus, heal me. Yo, Jesus. They're trying to get his attention, shouting. And all the other people who can see are like, be quiet. He doesn't want to help you. He's too important for you. And they're telling him, like, but these guys, these dudes, they just start shouting louder. Jesus. So they're just shouting, shouting. And finally, Jesus, like he must have heard them because he, he walked right up to these guys. I love Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them. He saw their need, and he gets involved. He touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him, right? So Jesus didn't simply feel bad for them. He saw that they were blind. They couldn't see, and he's like, you know what? Not only am I going to see it, but I'm going to get right in the midst of it with you. He brought healing to their situation, and it caused them to follow him. So we see he met the physical need and brought them closer to God. Come on. This is compassion. We see it again. Luke chapter 7. There was a widow. She lost her husband, and then her son dies. Man, she's losing. She's lost everything. And it says all those in her town, all those close to her, they were mourning and crying together. They had circled around this woman. And it says they were taking the body out of the city towards the grave. And then Jesus decides to come to her town. So they're literally walking to the grave with this dead boy. And Jesus comes by, says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And that's where a lot of people stop. Oh. Bless your heart. Lord, help them. The Lord sent you to help them. (laughs) How many of y'all know the Lord can do things on his own, but the Lord chooses to use people to help other people? come on, like, his heart went out to her, and then he gets involved, he said to her, don't cry, he sees the loss, he has compassion, and he begins to bring healing to a dead place, he went up and touched the bier where they were carrying the dead body, and the bear stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up, the dead man sat up, can you imagine the people like, Y'all would be freaked out. Some of y'all would be running and be like, I don't know what's happening. But like, the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Come on. Compassion caused Jesus to see the woman's pain, to get involved and bring life to dead places. That's what compassion does. And I, I, I love that Jesus didn't, like, weigh out the pros and cons with his disciples. Hey, guys, I, are, are we too busy? I know we got somewhere to be. You know, okay, Lord, should I help this woman who's struggling right now? He didn't do that it was just like it's a foregone conclusion if I see somebody I'm going to help them there was no debate there was no it was just whatever it was just it was a natural outflow of who he was and that's what compassion is that's what it's meant to be in our lives it's this natural outflow that's why you've heard me say before and I'll probably never stop saying but we uh, the church does not exist for us we are the church and we exist for the world come on somebody like it's not a social club like, we exist for people who are hurting and broken, so let's never get to the place when we see somebody new come in where we're like, did you see them? Let's never get to the place where we make new people sit by themselves. Come on. Come on. Let's never, you know, just a couple weeks ago there was a guy that came and um, I was talking to him afterwards um, and and um, he was just telling me, he was like, I forgot what it felt like because I've been weighed down for so long. I forgot what it could feel like to lay my burdens down. And he's like, when I came in, like I was just so weighed down. I was so burdened down by everything in life. And he's like... Something happened while I was in the house today, and I, I, I feel like I, I'm light again. Like, I, I feel like I can, I can breathe again. Come on. That's what the church exists for. And let's never get so spiritual or so involved in just what we can give for ourselves that we miss out on those moments. Because it's those moments that put wind in your sails. It's those moments where you're like, ah, this is awesome. That's what we exist for, to reach people with the message of Jesus and connect them to their purpose. That's why it's so important for us to never to forget that or overlook those moments. Come on, that's why we exist. So I want to give us real quick today, before we head out of here, three keys that I think will help us to live with more compassion. Come on, isn't that important to know? Like, how can we develop more compassion and let it flow out of our lives? Three keys. If you're taking notes, hopefully you'll write these down. The first one is this, compassion requires passion. It requires passion. Even how you spell the word requires passion. If you take passion out of compassion, all you have is calm. It's incomplete. And that's where a lot of Christians are. That's where a lot of followers of Jesus are, is incomplete. Because they're picking and choosing the parts of God they want to serve and the parts they don't. We are called into fullness. The fullness of God is what he wants us to grow into. So we don't pick and choose the little parts of God that are okay, that don't upset the system, that don't get us out of our comfort zone. Can I just tell you, Jesus said, he said it this way, if you want to follow me, take up, deny yourself, take up your cross, then you can follow me. Think about the cross for a moment and the horrific scene that that was. Whew. And that's the life Jesus calls us into. So welcome. <laughs> Isn't that good to know? Like, but there's there's this there's this there's this thing. Like sometimes like we want to pick and choose, and I think God is bringing us back to this place where we have this spiritual defibrillator moment. You know, like where the Holy Spirit is like, charge you know and like he brings some of us need that jolt of passion back into our spirit we need this jolt back into our faith to realize like it is a thrill to serve God it is just there's nothing better in this life that you can do and experience other than serving God Like, if that's all you get to do in life, it is the best thing. There's nothing better that you will do than serving God. And sometimes we just need to get back to this place where we just remember what a joy and what a thrill it is to serve God. Come on. I I think that's why Scripture says, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on. Enter into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know, sometimes we enter into his courts with, oh, God. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Come on. And it's just getting back to this point of like, God, you are good. Forget about everything else. Like he is good and he's for you. Like It is a thrill. I think that's why it says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, that's why That's why we don't patty cake and worship a little bit. Now, don't confuse worshiping my style with somebody else's style. Worship is not about style. Worship is about the attitude of the heart, the posture of the heart, you know. So you don't have to worship like me. You don't have to worship like Cass. I can't sing like Cass, you know. like uh, You don't have to worship like Grant. He worships in his style. It's not style. It's the attitude of the heart. But it's, it's it's all or, or, or nothing. It's like, God, it is a thrill. You know, my favorite day of the week is Sunday. Of course it is. You're the pastor. You love Sunday. It's not because of what you think. Sunday is just the day that I get to interact and impact the most number of people. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the other days are just as good of a days to like, serve God. God, can you use my life today? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Like just realizing if we can get back to this place where it's just a joy to serve God, then it's not a burden to love people who are unlovable. Then it's not a burden to forgive people who are unforgivable. Then it's not a burden to to give of our finances or to serve somebody else with our time or whatever it is, because it's just, I'm not doing it for anything other than to serve the creator of the universe. It's a, come on, that's a good day to serve God. Anybody agree with me today? Come on. It's a... It's just a good day. What if when you woke up and you put your feet on the floor in the morning, you just realized like, okay, God, you gave me breath today. Come on. It's a good day for breakthrough. Today's a good day for favor. Come on. like It's a good day to expect a miracle. Come on. It's a good day for something good to happen to you. And it's not semantics. It's not just looking on the bright side. It's just realizing like if God be before you, what could be against you? There will be things come at you in life so what what is it going to do to you you can't mess with a person who's just decided i'm in a win-win situation you know it's just just what it is i love a psalms chapter 100 verse 1 and 2 says shout for joy to the lord all the earth worship the lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs come on we're not we just need that we need to get that injection back into our spirit some some joy some faith and because sometimes we get hurt by people Sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident, sometimes we're let down, or sometimes our heart becomes hard or indifferent or, or, or whatever it is. Some of us are just chilling in our pots. That's an that example from a few weeks ago. We're just hanging out in our pots. Everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside, our roots are drying up. We weren't meant to live in the pot, but we want to keep up the appearances. Can I tell you, you are not called to a life to just keep the lights on and keep appearances up. Come on, you're meant to bust out of that pot, let your roots grow down deep so that you can flourish, so that you can thrive. You are meant to excel and go far beyond. You're meant to dream again. Come on, somebody. God, uh, we, we, but it's in that place where we just dwell on the hurt and the pain and the whatever, we stay in our pots or, or we think we're good enough on our own, we're keeping up appearances. It's in that place that squeeze the passion for serving God in an excellent way out of us happens. And I believe God wants to just give some faith Back into you, some joy back into your spirit today. We're not volunteering, we're not doing a job. We're serving the one true God with passion. Amen. Amen. Come on. I, and I know, I know uh the lie the devil brings the moment we talk about serving. Oh, the church must need my help. You know, the the church must be in trouble. I guess I'll help. You know, God, I really don't want to, but I guess he, he pastor talks good enough today, so I might as well, you know, like that's not helping you, it's not helping me, and it's not helping God. Come on, you know, like we're just we're passionate about serving God, you know, and I always say this when people say stuff like that. The church is doing fine. Amen. The church is moving forward. We're going to accomplish our purpose. It's just, would, it just would be better if you were involved. We have teams that serve. I mean, you're sitting in chairs today that were sanitized because of our cleaning team. You have words on the screen. Church is streaming because of people that are serving. Your kids are learning Jesus on their level because of people that... Church is doing fine. It'll just be better if you were involved. You know, could, could we reach more people if more people served? Yes. Yes, we could reach more people in our city. We could feed more people in our city if more people served, right? We could reach more boys and girls. We could reach more teenagers if more people were serving. We could, you know, <laughs> we could build more churches in Africa if more people were giving. We could, we could, you know, buy buildings or buy more hope trucks or whatever if more people were giving. It's just the reality. We could do more. We could reach more people if more people were involved. But we're going to do with whatever God gives us. Whatever. That's why I always say the, the vision of the church moves forward at the speed of our involvement minute of our giving so that way we don't get into a pressure situation where we have to make decisions out of pressure rather no well this is this is the resource that's available to us so that's what we're going to do we're going to keep doing what God has called us to do it would just be better if you were involved come on somebody that's why it's important um, we understand that we're serving and giving and leading. It's just a thrill. It's just an opportunity. And I will never apologize for giving you an opportunity to serve or give the one true God. Come on, somebody. Um, uh, and you know, when I when I talk about that, I think about our dream team. And you know, I could, I don't have time to highlight everybody on your dream on the dream team. And somebody just said, "Whoo!" The pastor said he's not going to talk about everybody. You know, <laughs> like um, I'm aware of the time and staying within my time. But you know, I would highlight uh, my friend Danny um, on the Dream Team. Um, probably most of you, did you might have seen him and you don't realize the responsibilities that he has on a Sunday morning. But what's unique about Danny is that Danny lives these values out. Danny doesn't come in and be like, well, that's not my job. It's not in my job description, so somebody else will take care of it. No, Danny's the first one to like, what oh, that needs to be done. And he'll be the first one to do it before you can even think about who can get involved. Danny's already taking care of it. He's sure it's making it happen. Like He's living out this value of compassion. And not just here, because... Just like all of us, Danny, he, he works a full-time plus job. You know, he has things to do. And it's not just here he's living those values. out. His whole life is about living this value out. And I'm so thankful for people in the house like Danny. And when you see him today, just make sure you just thank him for what he does. And then follow up with this question, how can I get involved? Come on, somebody. Amen. Danny, I love you. And other Danny, I love you too. Come on, we have two Dannys. <laughs> we have two Dannys, and they both... They both, they both live out these values. <laughs> here's, here's the second key to living out compassion today is compassion is all or nothing. Here's what I mean by that. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me. God is speaking. He says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So in other words, if you seek God with a little bit of your heart, you won't find him. It I weighs on me like, okay, so in other words, if we're going to seek God and serve God, we got to serve him with everything we got to serve Him with everything, not just with our little 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's all or nothing, baby. It's everything. So don't just try to serve God a little bit. Serve Him with everything. And I would say it this way. Serve, what does that mean? Well, serve God with everything you have control over. Serve God with everything under your authority. You have control over some things, not everything, but you have control over some things. And whatever you have control over, your marriage, your family, your time, your finances, your body, your mind, your energy, whatever you have control over, serve Him with that, right? And it, it's not... To be manipulative. It's not to manipulate people or create a dictatorship in your home. Come on, somebody. It's just, um, it, it would actually, let's say it this way, is, is to uh, prophesy. A prophecy speaks, is about speaking to future things. That's what a prophecy is, something that hasn't happened yet. And so um, when I'm speaking prophecy in my home, I'm, I'm declaring this is who we are, who we're going to be. The Old Testament, Joshua said it this way Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He's before all the people of Israel. And he's saying, y'all can serve whoever you want. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a prophetic moment to say, whatever happens in my house, we're going to serve God with whatever comes our way. And he was just talking about what the future would be for his family. And that's what we need. I'm praying for men and women to rise up and to speak some prophecy over their marriage and over their family and over their kids. Because the world would tell you, like, if, if somebody's struggling and having a problem, well, they're just doing so terrible. And they talk about their problems. And they only speak death to the things, not realizing that they're speaking to the future and creating death in the future. God said there's power of life and death in your tongue. And I just choose to be the one. I'm going to speak life to things. I'm going to, faith is speaking to something that is not as though it is. So instead of just saying how bad things are and things will just never change and their kids are just driving them crazy, I'm just going to start speaking to the future and saying, my kids will be mighty upon this earth. My kids will serve God all the days of their life. Hey, but your kids are on drugs. No, my kids are serving God. Uh, My kids are not doing drugs, but just using that example, right? right? Um, We just we just got to begin to prophesy to some things, you know. Like so, if you know, if you're a husband or a wife, you know, just start to prophesy over your marriage. I will serve God. I will serve my spouse the same way I serve God. I will love my spouse the same way Christ loved me. And I just begin to prophesy to yourself, but pastor, you don't know how difficult my spouse is. You don't, you don't know. They don't even reciprocate when I try to serve them or love them this way. It ain't about that. Prophesy to them. Uh, our, our marriage is strong. Our marriage is founded on the, go- on the gospel. Our, 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 our marriage is an example to other marriages. Like, we're going to be this kind of family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As prophecy is speaking, the future things even though it doesn't look like it I can see it through eyes of faith that it is so if you have you have authority in your marriage not control to control your spouse but you have authority to speak prophecy in your marriage if you're so If you're married, do that. If you're not married and you're a child, a son or a daughter or a teenager living in the house, you probably don't have authority over everything. But you do have authority over some things. And what are those things? Your attitudes, your responses, how you serve the Lord. You have authority over some things. So serve God with those things. Serve God with whatever you have control over, right? What about your body? Serve God with your body. People are serving themselves with their bodies these days. We choose, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about your mind? Serve God with your mind, your time, your relationships. Let's get personal. What about your finances? You have control of your finances, don't you? Yep. Nobody can walk up to you and be like, I'm going to control your finances. Like, no are fighting words. Come on, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you are ridiculously in control of your life. You are in control of your finances. What about serving God with your finances? Here's a quick test to find out what you're serving God with, or serving your finances with. What shows up the most in your bank statement? Where does your money go first? Two indicators what you're serving with your finances. What about with your time? Well, pastor, I just don't have enough time. Well, whose fault is that? We all have the same amount of time. We all have the same amount of time. So how are you using yours? It's just that so often we try to... um, We we commit ourselves to so many things, so many causes, so many injustices that then we've given so much of ourselves to everything else that when God calls us to do something, we have nothing left of ourselves to even show love to those around us because we're so committed to so many other things. What if we just said, God, I'm going to commit to your things first. I'm going to commit to serving what you're calling me to do before to anything else. And it's not to say causes, injustices, and things in life aren't important. There are things that God will call you into, but like as one person, you cannot answer them all. You don't even have enough emotional capacity to deal with all of the things. That's why depression is slipping in so much, because we have access to so many things that is robbing us of the passion and of the focus that God is called us into to the injustice that he's called us to heal come on come on we've got to serve God with everything and not just say well I don't have enough of that no we are ridiculously in in control of our lives in our schedule so what if we started serving god with our time and our energy rather than some letting somebody else steal it or waste it on other things you think about what if we even get smaller into the not as big of things what about like your car you don't have just a car to go places or to look good while you're driving down 50 like hey you know you have a car not just for you but to take people places have you ever looked at your the empty seats in your car in the morning on your way to church what if god gave you that car that's bigger than your family so you could bring somebody else with you. Come on. What if we started serving God with everything? Come on. We're talking about keys to living with compassion. Number one, compassion requires passion. Number two, compassion is all or nothing. Here's the last one today. Um, We serve God by serving others. That's compassion. We serve God by serving others. You can't say you serve God and not serve people. I want to show you in Scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Here Jesus, he's he's in a, a, a... a private session with his disciples a master class with Jesus if you will right he's teaching his disciples and in chapter 24 they ask him Jesus tell us what the end times will be like right before you come back and so Jesus is like all right you guys want to know so he spends a whole chapter of the Bible telling them what the end times will be like and then in chapter 25 he says he continues teaching them on what things will be like and then he gets to his first close right because every good preacher has multiple closes come on somebody Um, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, he's talking about the end times and what things will be like. He says, when the son of man comes back. So he's talking about when Jesus comes back, the second coming of Jesus, right? He says, and all of his angels with him. Now, that's an interesting statement. I don't know how many angels are in heaven, but it's a lot. The book of Revelation talks about there's 10,000 upon 10,000 angels around the throne worshiping. That's 100 million. (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot of angels and Jesus say when I come back with all my angels I don't know how many is but that's a lot he says and he, and he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him can you picture that all the nations gathered around the throne and all the angels and it says he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left so in that day, there is a separation. There's a separation that's coming. And imagine that moment you're standing before the Lord and he starts to move some. I want you over here and some over here. And some people are like, Jesus, you want me over there? And then he's like, no, I want you over there. You know, there's like there's a separation coming. And he begins then to tell us what is the cause for the separation or what decides which side I'm on. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Now imagine you're one of these ones on the right. And honestly, that's my prayer for each and every one of us, that we would be those that Jesus says, come on, come on, I have an inheritance for you. I have a blessing for you, right? And, and you're standing there on the right, and Jesus is saying, and you're like, Jesus, I just, I just got here. I didn't bring you no Big Mac. I didn't bring you no fries. What are you talking about? Like, I'll give you my shirt, Jesus, but I hadn't done anything for you. What are you talking about? And these sheep are there trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about, and they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go visit you? They're trying to figure out what's happening because these sheep, they were doing these things. Jesus is highlighting like, hey, y'all, we're living with compassion. You're doing these things. But apparently the sheep didn't see it as a way to earn God's approval. They didn't see living with compassion and helping people and serving people as a way to earn salvation or to make God happy with them. Apparently they just it's just something they did without even realizing it because they're like, Jesus, when did we do this for you? We didn't do it. And Jesus said, whenever you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. We serve God by serving people. We serve God by serving people. Apparently, these people were just serving God, not out of a checkbox or something they did, not to get noticed, not to get a position or a title or whatever. They just did it because of the natural expression of who they were because of what God had done in their lives. It was just natural. They're like, oh, okay, you know. Then the king will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed. Into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. This getting real. You'll know, be like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Can you, can you run that by me one more time? He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And can you imagine these people like, uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and not help you. And he said, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go to the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go to eternal life. So Jesus is talking about the separation between the righteous and the unrighteous, between believers and the religious, the appearance of of good and doing all the right things and those who serve God with everything they've got. He's talking about this separation and it's not based upon how much of the Bible have you memorized or how perfect did you get that gold star in your church attendance. It's not based upon how many degrees do you have upon your wall or how many good deeds did you do. It's not based on anything like that. It's based upon did you serve people well? As a follower of Christ, did you serve people well? You know, or did, was it just half-hearted? You know, it's like, you know, did you serve people well? Were you, were you the one to be like, I'll stand in the parking lot in the sun with the Mickey hand and the weird orange vest? Hey, welcome to church. Come on. I love my friend Sean. We always tell everybody, give him the Sean because you cannot outsmile Sean. But I dare you to try. And Sean served in the parking lot for years. Years. Being that one, the first one there. Did you all know that when people come to church for the first time or the first time in a long time, they decide if they'll come back in the first you know, 15 seconds or so is the average? It, it's not me. <laughs> it's long before the music starts. People have decided, is this a place I think I can come back to? Like, Did we serve people well? Did, you know, <laughs> That's why it's, I think excellence is important. Sometimes we bring more excellence to the company that we work for than we do to the house of God. And I believe just that God, God's house deserves the best. It's God's house. It should be the best. That's why we strive for excellence, Not perfection, because we'll never be perfect. But we can always strive to bring our best to God. God, you get the first, you get the best. One of the things my wife does is that she always turns all the water bottles, all the labels facing the same direction. Excellence. It's a, it's a spirit of excellence. God's house deserves the best. Like God's house deserves more than I give to anything else. Did I serve people well? Did I, did I hold anything back? Like, and, and that's where God, I think he's bringing us back to this place of, yeah, like God wants you to be blessed. God's going to take care of you, right? But I love the fact that Jesus' invitation here is not based on how good you are or how put together your life is or, or how qualified do you think you are or, or what, it's not title or position, but it's just were you willing to serve people with everything you had? We serve God by serving people. That's how we serve him. Uh, you know, we love God by loving people, right? And so I just, I just, want, I just want to, uh, before we get out of here today, let's just get up on our feet today. I believe God wants to do something in our hearts. If we could, just, just, just for a few more minutes, two or three minutes, and just put everything else aside. If you've been taking notes, put your phone down, put your Bible, your notebook down. Let's just, just begin to invite God to move in our hearts. Lord, I just thank you that you're here in this place right now, that you're moving, that you're speaking to each and every heart, each and every life, Lord God. God, you are so good. You are so good, Father. God, I just ask right now that you would pour your spirit out in this place. Fill us afresh with your love that would overflow out of us. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.